Good morning, friends. Whoa. Good morning. Shall we begin our worship? Why don't you stand and sing with us, please? One, two, three, four. It's so good to see you this morning. Welcome. If you have any prayer requests, please fill out a prayer request card found on the table in the narthex and place it in the basket. If you know someone over 60 who may need a fan but cannot afford one, please see the notice on the bulletin board outside of the bathrooms about Project Cool. Our communion offering next week will be for mobility worldwide. The scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah. 
Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, on the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Do you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? It is not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones, and you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. The word of the Lord. Our morning prayer. Loving God, we gather today to praise you. We thank you for all the blessings of this week and for those we are yet to receive. Teach us that we are here to serve and not be served. Lead us with your Holy Spirit that we would be a people who are free from performing for human credit. May our words show others that we serve a holy God. Let the word we hear today strengthen us to go out and tell others about your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
coffee. Good morning. <laughs> That's usually just, it's usually just me. I need all the coffee. 
Our Riches Weekend is off to a fantastic start, and I wanted to say thank you to everybody who's showed up and come out to explore the riches in their families, in their homes, and in their community. But we had an awesome day on Friday at our fellowship dinner, uh, and those who stayed to hear uh, Pastor Jim's message got to hear about the riches that they have at their in their home, which is close to home, right? Close to your heart, with you all the time. And then Saturday morning, several of us, we had 16 people go to the San Antonio Food Bank, to the Urban Garden, to help our community. And when we showed up, we found out we were going to harvest onions. I can tell you I've never done that before. And I didn't know what to expect. And if you've ever seen a picture of a picturesque garden, you know, that's if you've seen a picturesque garden or a farm, you know, where they've got those perfect rows and you can walk between everything and it's just really nice and you can reach up and grab, that's not what it was at all. <laughs> it was not. They let the weeds overtake the fields because they don't have enough people to keep the weeds out. So they just let them overtake the fields as the crops are growing and then they mow over down to where you can see the onions. And so as we're walking through this field to try to get the onions, we're stepping through... <laughs> mountains and piles of weeds and some of them I think they're the really pretty sunflowers you see on the side of the road apparently those have burrs and thorns and stuff in them so as we were walking through this field in the shorts that I had my kids wear and I was wearing because it's Texas and it's hot our legs are getting scratched up <laughs> but we had 61 people in attendance in total for that volunteer shift the, the food bank had 61 people and those 61 people were able to pick 12,000 pounds of onions in an hour and a half. And if that's not an amazing testament to what a community can do together, I don't know what else is. That was a God moment right there to speak to us about what our community does. And then we came back in the evening, those who attended, and we had some fun together. There were vast quantities of jello and water balloons. There was color powder, there was a slip and slide, and we talked about the riches in our community, the way that community gives you an identity, it unites you together, it gives you a purpose, it helps you out, there's teamwork there when you need it. When a disaster strikes, community is always the first to show up before government can do anything. It's people coming out to help people. And it was a wonderful time. And I just want to thank everybody who's volunteered and who's participated. And invite all of you here today to come back tonight at 6 o'clock for our outdoor worship. We're going to have some awesome music from some wonderful musicians. I know I've said it before, but I'm saying it again. we got Jonathan Flores and Steve Work playing for us. And we're going to have a campfire. It's already built out there. John Den came out and made us a big fire circle. And we're going to have s'mores and hot dogs and a wonderful time. And if it rains, well, you know what? All of those things can be made in an oven, and we can sing inside. So we got a plan, and I hope you all come out, and we'll explore the riches that we have in our faith. There are T-shirts. I was like, I have another announcement. There are T-shirts out there. They are the Riches T-shirts. It has the Riches logo on them and our slogan, where are yours, what are yours? But those are our church T-shirts for the year. We will not be purchasing the I Love My Church T-shirts this year. They include the uh, HHEMC logo on the sleeve. So they are our church T-shirts for this year. We have sizes, adult sizes small through 3XL and uh, kid sizes small through large if you would like. A t-shirt, we appreciate a $5 donation, but nobody's collecting them, so if you don't want to do a $5 donation, if you do want to do one, if you want to do more than one, that is between you and, and God and whatever you feel like, but we would love for everybody to have a t-shirt and to, to put that idea out there, what are our riches and where are they at, especially as Christians, where are we placing the value in our lives? With that, I'd like to invite the children forward. So we're talking today about riches, right? That's what this whole weekend's been about. And I decided for my children's sermon today that we were going to talk about 
the key verse that we're using for riches. Do you guys know what it is? Do you remember what song we've been singing at Riches? No. Matthew 6, 20 and 21. Matthew 6, 20 and 21. There you go. We have a theme song and everything. And it says, do not store up your treasures here on earth where moths and rust can destroy them, where thieves can break in and steal them. Instead, store your treasures in the heaven because where your treasures are, your heart is also. Right? So what is a treasure? Gold. What else? What else could be a treasure? Rubies. Rubies. You guys. You guys are going hardcore. Rings. Rings. Buttons. Gold. Um. What about a favorite toy? Silver. That can be like a treasure, right? What about candy? What about your house? Some people treasure their house. They're very proud of their house. What What makes a treasure special? Why do we hold it as special? Because you love it. Is that what you said? Because it, it, it seems like it has more value to us, right? It's something that we love, that we think is super important. But what's the problem with treasure? It's in our verse. What's the problem with treasure here on earth? People can come in and steal it, right? Treasure can rot, it can rust, it can mold, it can break down, and it can go away. Treasure here on earth. But Jesus tells us that we need to store our treasures up in heaven. Well, how would I do that? How would I put my favorite toy up in heaven? Do you think I can do that? Do you think I can take all my gold and silver and stick it up in heaven with me so I have it when I, when I go up into heaven? No. So is Jesus talking about those things when he says that we need to store up our treasures in heaven? I don't think he is. I think he's talking about something else. What type of heavenly treasures do you think Jesus is talking about? Loving. That's, that's exactly right. He is talking about relationships. Jesus is talking about relationships. He's talking about building your relationship with God and building your relationship with others. He's talking about building your character, which is your relationship with yourself. In this passage, he is telling us, and instead of worrying about collecting things here on earth that are special to us, we need to be collecting things that count in heaven, that count in God's kingdom. So instead of working and working and working so I can just put money in the bank, I need to work at my relationship with God and make sure that I am right with him and that I'm following him. And instead of hoarding things when times get tough, I need to make sure that I am building up others and helping others out because I have the opportunity to do so. And instead of doing my own thing when I feel like doing it, because that's a treasure too. Time is a treasure. And instead of using my time to do whatever it is I want to do and that serves me, I need to be following Jesus and I need to serve him. Those are the treasures that God is talking about. Those are the treasures that Jesus is talking about, and they want us to focus on. And the treasures that we have that God provides for us are all around us. They are everywhere. We saw that yesterday when we were working in our community. And that hour and a half that we were out there in that field, I saw teamwork. I saw encouragement. I saw people physically carrying other people. In fact, it was my two kids being carried out of the field because they were afraid of all of the weeds. You know, there were so many different things. There was unity. We were all battling these onions and the weeds together, working towards a purpose. We had an identity as volunteers to join together. These are all treasures that God provided for us in that moment. And he provides treasures all of the time. We just have to open our eyes and see them. We have to show up for them and recognize them so that we can use them. Because a treasure that's just sitting alone by itself does nothing. 
Gold has no power until you spend it, right? It's the same with the treasures that God provides for us. So we're going to talk more about that at Spark Worship. But before we go, can we bow our heads, fold our hands, and pray? Say, Dear God, thank you for the many treasures you give us. Help us to pay attention to them and keep our hearts focused on you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's go to Spark. Good morning. It's good to see all of you on this uh, beautiful, oh, this is the last Sunday of June, isn't it? Yeah, the last Sunday of June. So next Sunday is the 4th of July, right? So we can celebrate revolution. It's always a good thing to celebrate. Some people still refer to us as the colonies, but that's okay. Oh, and speaking of that, speaking of, of some of our British heritage, John Wesley would be 318 years old tomorrow. He was born on June the 28th, 1703. Anyway, I'll start our rainbows and rattlesnakes with the rainbow that it is to see all of you here this morning. Praise the Lord. And like Jesse was saying, for those of you who were there, uh, it was really a glorious thing yesterday morning. When we do that in the future, I really encourage all of you to go. Even those of you whose legs and backs are sore this morning, right? It was still, I mean, it was, it was, it was really amazing. If you're not aware, if you're not aware of it, it's really the, the San Antonio Food Bank has a big garden out there at Mission San Juan. And it's really, uh, it's really quite an enterprise. And like Jesse said, we picked the group that was there uh, yesterday morning, we picked 12,000 pounds of onions. Now, you figure a place that's got 12,000 pounds of onions, you know, it's not a, a patch in your backyard. Anyway, enough of that. But it is a praise. It is a praise. And it is a rainbow. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for another beautiful day. We thank you for the riches you have given us. The riches of family, the riches of community, the riches of our faith. Lord, we lift up those anywhere who need to know of your love. We lift up the leaders of this nation and all the nations of the world that they would seek and do your will so that your will would be known and your kingdom made manifest throughout this earth. Lord, we ask that as your scriptures are read this morning that you would open the eyes of our understanding, that we would not just hear, but we would practice what we hear. Teach all of us, minute by minute, day by day, to be better followers of your Son, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, I think it was William Shakespeare who said something like, the whole world's a stage and everybody in it are just, uh, you know, actors. One of my favorite all-time activities this time of year, which I, I, have, I haven't taken part in in several years because we've lived here in San Antonio, is that uh, this time of year in Austin, and most of you know Rebecca and I lived in Austin, the greater Austin area, for 32 years. This time of year in Austin, they ha down in Zilker Park, they have a thing called Shakespeare in the Park. And you go down there in the park, and there, there, there are different, different uh, performances that are put on in the summertime. Great thing. You, you, know, you bring your lawn chair, and you sit down there under the stars, hopefully under the stars. And sometimes there's even a little bit of a breeze. And then at intermission, at intermission, you can go jump in Barton Springs if you want to, right? Because it's right there. It's right there. So, so then, then for the second half of the play, you're pretty cool for a while, and that's a good thing. But anyway, I was thinking about that and reading today's passage from Matthew from the Sermon on the Mount. We're still, we're still working on the Sermon on the Mount, and I think, it's, I think working on the Sermon on the Mount is something that all of us will do for the rest of our lives here on, on earth. Jesus, again, we have to remember, we have to remember the context. Jesus lived in an occupied territory. It was occupied by the Romans, a pagan nation. You know? they, they worshiped all sorts of idols and whatnot. But prior to the Romans taking over, of course, there had been this character named Alexander the Great, right? And uh, the Greeks ruled that part of the known, what we, what we call in, in Western civilization, the known world. Have any of you ever thought about how Greek we still are? In all the Greek, in all the Greek towns, you could always find four things, regardless of the town. And you can still now, for those of you who have visited other countries and, and, and that part of the world, you've seen them very clearly. In all the Greek communities, there was an academy, a school, often with a library. There was a gymnasium and an associated athletic field games like that. There was a temple. They had their temples to their different gods. Even though they didn't worship the true God, they had their temples to the gods. And there was a theater. There was a theater, right? You see those things. And again, for those of you who have been to, to ruins and ancient places, if you think about it, they, those, those things are manifest there. There was even a theater very close to where Jesus grew up there in Nazareth. So it's with uh, it's thinking about that in that context that we go into today's reading. Today's reading is Matthew chapter six verses.
through 18, but as is our habit, we will start with Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Consider the word of the Lord. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Again, today's sermon text starts with verse 1 of chapter 6. Consider the word of the Lord, and again, I'll repeat myself as I'm prone to do. This is Jesus talking. If you have a red-letter Bible, all these letters are red. Beware of practicing your piety. Actually, this is a mistake. This is one place where the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, which I like, which is, a, which is, is typically a good translation, makes a very glaring mistake. Every place else they get it right. But the word here that says piety should read righteousness, the way we read righteousness in all the other places in the Scripture. I'm not really sure I need to research why they decided to do that, but it's wrong. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. 
Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who knows and supplies all our needs, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Amen. So again, we'll go where we've gone. Jesus, who again... We think of Jesus as Lord, we think of Jesus as Savior, we think of Jesus as a lot of things, but again, we need to think of Jesus as the smartest human being who ever lived, you know? And often I think people don't look at Jesus that way, but he was. And he has, he has a definite method about what he's doing here and what's going on. Remember, he started out the sermon saying what? The kingdom of God is available to everybody. It's available to everybody. If it's available to me, then that means I can, I can take part in it. He talks about six particular areas that we need to work at. And again, Jesus isn't giving us a new list of commandments here. And as in the examples that I just read... He's giving us illustrations of things that we can think about. He's not saying there, for example, I'll just I'll jump a bit ahead. He's not saying never pray in public. That's not what he's saying at all in here. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So he set the foundation and he said, if you get the foundation right, then you go on to these things. Again, it's akin to learning a language or learning a new skill. You start out learning basic things. When you are proficient at the basics, you move on to the higher things. He says the first foundation we have to get right is anger. We have to have lives that are freed of anger. 
And then, of course, this is, this is, this is just review, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to whip right through it. We have to have lives that are free of anger. We have to have lives that are free of lust. We have to not divorce for the wrong reasons. We have to let our yay be yay and our no be no. That is, we have to be free from trying to manipulate other people by our language. We have to be persons that do no harm, not want to retaliate. And we have to go the extra mile and pray. Pray for our enemies. Not hate our enemies, but pray for our enemies. Okay, the foundation stuff's down. And then Jesus starts talking about some specific behaviors he's seen in people and what's going on. And also, you might notice here that the three things that we're talking about this morning are also, nowadays we have all these fancy terms for everything, right? These are all three spiritual disciplines, okay? They're spiritual disciplines. And again, Jesus isn't setting down a list of rules, but he's giving us some illustrations and moreover, I would say these are spiritual disciplines that if you are not doing them now, you should incorporate them into your walk. Jesus felt they were important enough to talk about. And you will also see that all three of these areas are talked about throughout Scripture. Okay. Dallas Willard says, and I think he's right, that... There are two things, there are two things that really prevent us from a total interactive relationship with God and from growing in the kingdom of heaven. The first one is a desire to be praised by people around us. And to think about what other people think. And to perform, if you will, since we're talking about Shakespeare, and we're talking about being on a stage, performing for other people. If your life is obsessed with performing for other people, I would be so bold as to say, sort of like Jesus says here, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, You'll never enjoy the kingdom of heaven. Your audience has to be bigger than other people. The second thing that prevents us from an interactive relationship with God and growing in the kingdom of heaven, we'll talk about next week. But today we're talking about performing for other people and to be free from performing for other people. Did you notice when I was reading the Scripture, with the exception of the place where Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer, what we, we call the Lord's Prayer, did you notice there was a very clear pattern? Every time, you know, when he talked about almsgiving, when he talked about prayer, when he talked about fasting, he said, what? When you give something... Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't perform, because that's what hypocrites do, right? Hypocrite, this is interesting too. You know, you talk about Jesus being the smartest man in the world. Jesus actually gave us 
the use of this term the way we use it a lot these days. Hypocrite in Greek, the Greek word that hypocrite comes from, just means actor, right? A hypocrite is just an actor. It's not necessarily a pejorative term. It's just an actor, somebody who acts, somebody who, in Jesus' day, wears a mask, right? That's what a hypocrite is. Jesus used the term, and Jesus, in, in, in what we have recorded in, in the Gospels, Jesus used the term hypocrite 17 times. 17 times, pretty popular word with him. And like I say, he's the one that, in Jesus' time, the first time, if you heard somebody say hypocrite, it wouldn't mean anything negative to you. It meant an actor. It meant an actor. That's what it was. It was an actor. So Jesus said, don't be like the people who wear masks and when they give away stuff, you know, they make an announcement, you know. Maybe you can have your name printed on a, on a list somewhere or maybe they'll even put it on a plaque outside of a building or maybe if you're, if you're really a philanthropist, right, and you have very, very many resources, they might even name a building after you, right? Or you might even get them to name a building after you, right? I will give the college X amount of dollars if you call it the gym suite stadium, right? I mean, this is this around us all the time, okay? What does Jesus say about this, though? See, and, and two, again, this is, this is so important for us. This is the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, okay? He says they've got their reward. And if you think it through, it makes perfect sense. What they were doing, they did to get the applause and the credit of people. They got it. People said, oh, man, that guy's a great guy. Did you see how much money he gave to such and such? That's it. That's their reward. You know? Jesus says people with kingdom hearts, the hearts of Jesus, give in secret. They don't even let one hand, let the other hand know what they're giving. And again, Jesus is given to hyperbole. I mean, how do you really do that? But he's saying, you know, you ought to just give. It's a characteristic of a God. You know, and, and, and you think about giving to the poor, when you're talking about Jesus, we're all poor, right? We're all poor. Everything belongs to him. Everything. Everything. And he came here and gave everything, right? So, he says, when you give, give secretively. Give secretively. And again, and again, I truly believe, I truly believe, Jesus isn't, you know, we, we have to be careful and not slip into legalism. If we do, if we do a good deed for somebody and somebody else sees it, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. The wrongness comes in when the motivation is to be seen by the other person. And, and you say, oh boy, I'm going to do this so they'll 
think, what a good boy am I, right? And then when you do that, and they say, oh, what a good boy are you, you've got your reward. That's it. And that's fine. If that's what you want, if that's what you want, that's okay. That's what you get, Jesus says. That's the way it is. But I would argue that to perform for the credit of other people is uh, a waste of your talents that God has given you. And what about prayer, he says, okay? Again, again he says, don't be like the actors, the people that put on their masks when you pray. They'll get their reward. He says, go into your room, shut the door, and pray in secret. And again, as I mentioned a minute ago, I, I don't believe Jesus is saying never have corporate prayer. If he was, if he was, I would argue that when his disciples came to him, uh, one of the places it shows us is in Luke chapter 11, when his, when, his, when his disciples came to him and said, teacher, teach us how to pray, he would have said, nah, it's a waste of time. You know, I don't need to teach you how to pray. You're not supposed to get together and pray. No, that's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. Again, he's saying, don't stand up, you know, like a Holy Joe or a, a pious Pete, right? Those are some terms we use at Kairos, I think. And, and say, you know, oh, let me compose a great prayer so that all these other people will think I am so holy and righteous, right? And if you do, again, that's okay. Jesus never said you couldn't be an actor. He said just watch out what you're acting about because God already knows what you need. And he gives us the model prayer there, and I would be remiss again if I don't just say a word about forgiveness. You know, Notice, he put that in there. And he tells us to be forgiving. And he tells us the consequences of not being forgiving. And then the third spiritual discipline that Jesus addresses in this particular portion of the Sermon on the Mount that, again, can have to do with performing for other people because that's the point. Jesus wants to be free from performing for other people. You can do amazing things if you're not performing for other people and you're truly just performing for God. He says, when you fast, you know, brush your teeth, take a shower, comb your hair, put on your aftershave or your cologne, you know, and shine your shoes and act like nothing's going on, right? Don't say, don't be like Eeyore, right? Oh, oh, is me, you know, I'm fasting today and I really feel terrible. And, but uh, I want you to know how great I am because I'm fasting. You know? No. Fasting, again, is a spiritual discipline meant to build us up. There are few spiritual disciplines that build us up any more than fasting because when we fast, we really do take control of our bodies, and we don't let our bodies take control of us. And Jesus also taught us a very important thing when he fasted for 40 days before he was tempted of the devil in the wilderness, you know. He told us what? We don't live by bread alone. He quoted Deuteronomy 
but we live from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we do. We really do. We are spiritual beings created in God's image. The physical is just the manifestation that we have in this present world right now. But we should live in such a way that our bodies don't control our actions. Our actions should control our bodies. And that's what fasting is really about. And again, I'm, as the expression goes, I'm as serious as a heart attack. For those of you who don't fast, you need to incorporate fasting into your spiritual disciplines. It's, it's, it's truly not an option. Now, some of you may have truly have physical reasons that you need to consider how you fast, but there are many things you can fast from, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you just don't eat for three or four days. There are all sorts of things you can fast from. The easiest analogy to think of would be often people give up things for Lent, for example, okay? But fasting is an important discipline. So we see very, very clearly in these three examples, and again, Jesus isn't being legalistic. We can apply what he's, he's telling us here to any number of areas in our lives. Jesus is simply saying again, take off the mask. Don't perform for people. The world may well be a stage, as Shakespeare said, but there's only one audience that's important. And that's God the Father. Amen. Now go in peace. And as you go, go with the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen. strong and